Doctor, this is Baseball and the Lone Star with St. Mary's play-by-play broadcaster, Rob Shadow. Welcome, Lone Star Conference baseball watchers. Rob Shadow here. Thanks for joining us for Episode 4 of Baseball and the Lone Star Conference for the week of February 26, 2024. Twelve Lone Star Conference baseball teams completed Round 4 of Round Robin play, and top Major League free agents Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, and Matt Chapman remain unsigned. Come on, Farhan. You've got the big bucks. Spend them on another starting pitcher for the Giants. Here's what we have on tap for you in Episode 4. Interviews with the Lone Star Conference Pitcher of the Week, Jacob Rayfield of St. Edwards, who is doing his utmost to retire the award. A conversation with Hitter of the Week, Brandon Ulmer of Arkansas Fort Smith, who also leads the conference in batting average at 488 and an on-base plus slugging percentage at a hefty 1,410. Our other interview will be with Texas A&M International Head Coach Philip Middleton, whose Dust Devils have won their last seven out of eight. Coach Middleton also serves as the chair of the Lone Star Conference Coaches Committee and informed me that he would love to see instant replay for all LSC baseball games, but cost may be a prohibitive factor. He also explained to me that with so many teams in the Lone Star Conference, currently 13, a three-game weekend series instead of the present four-game format would not be practical, as each team would then need to find 14 non-conference games instead of just two to meet the regular schedule of 50 games, and student-athletes would miss more class with more midweek games. We'll also feature a recap of Weekend 4 of Lone Star Conference play, a preview of Weekend 5 matchups, a baseball happy birthday to the Cuban Missile, Araldus Chapman, a look at individual leaders in the Lone Star Conference, a look at the national polls, an addendum to my bedtime story about Bryce Harper, this time Bryce as a 12-year-old travel ball player, still tough as nails, and a great trivia question from head coach Lonnie Cobble of the Oklahoma Christian Eagles. And I'll give that to you right now. Who are the only two players in the history of Major League Baseball and NFL football to be drafted in the first pick, not necessarily the first round, by both an NFL team and an MLB team? Hint. One of them played high school baseball for Lonnie Cobla in Oklahoma. This podcast is an independent production and not an official communication of either St. Mary's Athletics or the Lone Star Conference. Although this podcast is supported by both organizations, the views expressed and any mistakes made are solely my own. So lace up your cleats, and if you want to channel your inner Bryce Harper, go ahead and wear those cleats to bed. And get ready for the first pitch of Episode 4 of Baseball in the Lone Star Conference. The brooms stayed in the broom closet in weekend four of Lone Star Conference round-robin play, with none of the six head-to-head matchups ending in a series sweep. St. Mary's and Texas A&M International did win three out of four games at home. Plus, in the marquee matchup of the weekend between UT Tyler and defending national champion Angelo State in San Angelo, the visitors from Tyler took the series three games to one. The Patriots prevailed in game one eight to five, behind a strong start by junior Dylan Blomquist of Belton, Texas, who fired five and one-third innings of three-hit, one-run ball for the win. In Game 2, the Rams came back for a 23-8 pasting of the Patriots. Big, big innings happened with some frequency in this conference. With UT Tyler up 8-7 heading into the bottom of the sixth inning in the scheduled seven-inning game, 
Angelo State exploded for 16 runs in the inning to win going away. After getting ahead 11-8 on the three-run home run by senior outfielder Jacob Guerrero, and with two outs and the bases empty, 13 consecutive Angelo State batters reached base and 12 additional runs scored. What an inning. UT Tyler recovered to somehow take the nightcap of the doubleheader in Game 3 by another score of 8-5 led by Ethan Bedgood, a senior from Sherman, Texas. He had a homer and three RBIs. Game 4 also went to UT Tyler 11-9, powered by five home runs. Nick Niebuhr, a junior from Rockwall, Texas, got the final five outs for his third save of the season. Are the Lions of Arkansas Fort Smith for real? I, for one, think they are. They continued their winning ways on the road against the first team they faced with an over 500 record, the Lubbock Christian Chaparrales. The Lions braved sometimes 25-mile-per-hour winds on the Lubbock Plain and earned a split of their series, winning games 1 and 3. In the 7-4 Game 1 win, the Lions got strong pitching again from the tandem of starter Grant Schenkel, who got a second victory of the season, and reliever Luke Davenport, who went three innings allowing four hits and one run to notch his first save of the 2024 campaign. Lubbock Christian won a 4-2 pitching duel in Game 2, paced by the three-run home run by senior Carson Ogilvy from Spring, Texas, and excellent pitching from the tandem of Chris Rhodes, who got a second win, and Colson Abel, who got a second save. Game 3 was a 25-6 walloping by Fort Smith, led by Lone Star Conference Hitter of the Week senior Brandon Ulmer from Boonville, Arkansas, who had four hits and eight RBIs in the game. The Chaparral secured the series split Sunday with a narrow 11-10 win. Shea Bowen, Jared Gibson, and Jacob Gutierrez each contributed three hits and two RBIs. After a very tough 2-6 and six start, the Dust Devils of Texas A&M International are right back in the hunt, tied for third place at 9-7, and seven, after winning three out of four from UT Permian Basin in Laredo. They took the Falcons to the woodshed Friday night in a 13-2 victory. ABM Medina, one of the top hitters in the conference in numerous offensive categories, had a home run and four RBIs. While Week 2 Lone Star Conference Pitcher of the Week Isaac Ponce, a senior from Portland, Texas, got his third win of the year, striking out nine in six innings. The Falcons repaid the favor in Game 2 Saturday with an 11-1 trouncing. Creed Jeffers, a senior from Ramona, California, hurled a seven-inning complete game, yielding just four hits and striking out seven. In the doubleheader nightcap Saturday, senior Jan Cabrera of Denton, Texas, almost went the distance, going six and two-third innings while giving up seven hits and one run. The Dust Devils won the series in convincing fashion on Sunday, 17-8, behind a 17-hit attack. Senior Jacob Cruz of Villalba, Puerto Rico, had a double, a home run, and five RBIs. The St. Mary's Rattlers got their first series win of the season. Go Rattlers! Defeating Oklahoma Christian three games to one at home, scoring 50 runs over the four-game series. Virtually no lead was safe in this series. The Rattlers could not hold an 8-0 lead in Game 1. The Eagles scored eight runs in the top of the sixth to come all the way back. The big blow was delivered by junior Hunter Jones of Norman, Oklahoma, who smoked a bases-clearing triple just inside the first baseline. Junior Silas Calgill of Texarkana, Texas, got the save with three innings of scoreless relief work. The Rattlers held on to win Game 2, 14-12, led by San Antonio senior catcher Devin Goins, who cracked a grand slam to give them a 14-8 lead. In Game 3, the Rattlers climbed back from an early 7-0 deficit to win an in extra innings 9-8. 
senior Andrew Girard of San Antonio, came out of sickbay to pitch two innings of scoreless relief with five strikeouts to notch his second win of the year. Junior Isaiah Aguilar of Alice, Texas, had the walk-off game winner. Game four Sunday was another slugfest with the Rattlers on top, 18-12, led by week three hitter of the week, Garrett Brooks of Spring Branch, Texas, who had four hits, three RBIs, and three runs scored. St. Edwards split their series with Eastern New Mexico in Austin, losing the first two and winning the second two. The Greyhounds won game one 8-3 behind junior Gavin Perry of Benita, California, who was Friday night lights out, spinning a complete game over 113 pitches, giving up five hits and three runs while striking out eight. Eastern New Mexico took game two 7-6. Senior Cooper Hamilton of Lubbock, Texas, stroked three hits and had three RBIs. The Hilltoppers came back to win game three behind junior Jacob Rayfield of San Antonio, who fired a complete game three-hit shutout, lowering his earned run average to 0.47. For the second consecutive week, Rayfield received top pitching hours honors as the Lone Star Conference Pitcher of the Week. Congratulations, Jacob. St. Edwards gained the split on Sunday, winning game four 9-8, coming back from a 7-0 deficit with seven runs in the bottom half of the sixth inning. Senior Austin Essex of Sugarland pitched the last two and a third scoreless innings of relief for his first win of the year. The last matchup of the weekend pitted the previously winless Cameron Aggies against Texas A&M Kingsville in Kingsville. The Aggies and the Javelinas split the four games. Game one went to Cameron 8-3 behind five innings of scoreless relief work by junior Elijah Tolsman of Charlotte, North Carolina. The Javelinas took game two 12-7, propelled by five RBIs from junior Kyle Perales of Hidalgo, Texas. Game three went to the Aggies 12-6. Senior catcher Wyatt Grant of Burke Burnett, Texas, led the attack with a home run and four RBIs. Texas A&M Kingsville gained the split Sunday with a 14-9 win. Junior reliever Sergio Lopez of Eagle Pass, Texas, pitched the last five innings, giving up only three hits and one run for his second win. After four weekends of play, there appear to be four tiers of teams in the Lone Star Conference. West Texas A&M and Arkansas Fort Smith have swapped the two top spots after the Lions split with Lubbock Christian. West Texas A&M is now in first place at 10-2, just one game ahead of the 9-3 Lions. Five teams are log-jammed in third place at 9-7. Angelo State, Texas A&M International, UT Tyler, UT Permian Basin, and Lubbock Christian. Based on their strong pitching, I also put St. Edwards in the second tier. They are at 6-6. Six six. Three teams are tied for ninth place with seven wins and nine losses. St. Mary's, Texas A&M Kingsville, and Eastern New Mexico. Oklahoma Christian is 12th at 3-9, and nine, and Cameron, in the win column last weekend, is last at 2-14. and 14. My guest this week is fourth-year head coach Philip Middleton of the Texas A&M Dust Devils. Before coming to Laredo, Coach Middleton had an enviable seven-year record as pitching coach and recruiting coordinator at Texas A&M Kingsville and helped lead the Kingsville team in 2018 to the College World Series. At Texas A&M International, he has wins against two top five programs nationally and a great academic record with a team GPA of 3.28. Welcome to Baseball in the Lone Star Conference, Coach. Hey, happy to be here. Uh, appreciate what you're doing for the Lone Star Conference Baseball and bringing uh, this great league to the spotlight. So happy to join you today. 
The Dust Devils are coming off two great weekends, a sweep on the road at Cameron and a 3-1 series win against a very good Permian Basin team that was 8-4 and four going into the series. You started slowly with a 2-6 and six start. What was the big factors in the turnaround? It's tough opening up in this league with conference play right away. So I think that was a little bit of a contributing factor as we go on the road. You know, Canyon is a hard place to win. And WT always puts out a very, very good baseball team. And so we needed some time to figure out who we were and, and kind of find our identity a little bit. And so we we kind of went back to the drawing board, so to speak, after WT. And, and we really uh, we felt okay about the way we played that weekend. Uh, had a chance to split uh, and, and blew some leads late. And then against uh, Eastern New Mexico in our second our second weekend, that's another really tough ball club. We had to fight really, really hard for both of those wins. And for us, that was kind of the turning point. I explained to the team that was like a cornerstone type of win on that on that Sunday against Eastern was we're, we're figuring out who we are. And it's time for us to go play like this on a consistent basis. I told the team Sunday, I was like, I wish we could play tomorrow. Like, let's let's keep this thing going. You know, I need a break. For, you know, personally, I need a break, but I'm sure they did too. But there's always going to be room for improvement. I, I think we got to work on throwing some more strikes. And uh, we need to continue getting deeper into the offensive playbook. Well, you have to tell our listeners something about Abium Medina, and that guy is hitting 419, a 566 on base, 758 slugging. He leads the conference in RBIs by eight. Did you have any idea that he was going to be this good? We were hoping so. <laughs> we, were, we were hoping he would be this good. He had a really good junior college career and really fit the tools that he has. They really fit with what we want our offense to look like. He bought in from day one with, you know, what he wanted his approach to look like and how that fit with what we want to do. And he's, it, it's hard to say he's been hot. He's been really consistent. This isn't like a one weekend thing. Like he consistently puts together quality of bats. He hits the ball hard and he, he punishes mistakes. He's just, he's a great hitter. And he's kind of one of those guys that I was mentioning of like, I'm glad they're on our side. I would, I would hate to face him. Well, the thing that I look at a lot is strikeouts to walks. And especially for a kid with so much power to have 16 walks against eight strikeouts is quite exceptional. Mm -hmm. Very disciplined hitter, very disciplined hitter. And that kind of stuff spreads when the other team, other guys in the lineup see him having success at not chasing that pitch or, Hey, you know what? He threw a strike, but that's not the one that I'm looking for. His approach is really kind of spread down the lineup of guys being really patient at the plate, hunting the pitch that they want. And then when they get it, they're not missing it. You have a lot of experience recruiting in, in South Texas. Uh, I know for some players, this might seem like a very remote place. What's your message as the best reasons that a high school player or someone in the transfer portal should consider coming to play baseball in Laredo with you? Weather is a big factor. We were pushing 88 to 90 degrees last weekend in, in mid-February. So we get to play baseball outside year-round. That's a big factor of it. And then when we get kids and their family to come visit us who have never been to Laredo before, when they get here, they realize it's nothing like what people have told them. Laredo is a great city and there's a lot of really good people here. It's a blue collar type of town. The food's really good. They get here and they get to experience it for the first time. They're like, hey, you know, this, this could be a really good city for me to enjoy my college years in. And then you partner that with a great university that has a really good academic track record with lots of different degrees, academic support, you know, the list goes on and on. So getting them down here is probably one of the biggest challenges, but once they get here, they realize this is, this is a tremendous option for me. One thing that continues to surprise me, it's a very high scoring environment, but you see a lot of one run strategies, a lot of bunning. Why do you think that mm -hmm. is? 
pressure works. Uh, if you allow the opposing pitcher and the opposing defense to just sit back on their heels and focus on one thing, uh, just throwing strikes, they're going to do it. But if they have to worry about the hit and run, if they got to worry about the bunt, they got to worry about the steal or dirt ball reads, then the you know the strike percentage plummets. And so if you if you have an offense that can pressure people, you can turn a great pitcher into an average one pretty quickly. And that's that's probably where you see a lot of the high scoring type of games is a big inning or you get deep into someone's bullpen and can score a lot of runs pretty quickly that way. I'm curious to know what your thoughts are about the pitch clock and how that's worked out so far. Is this the second year that we've had it? This is the second year with the pitch clock. And I am 100% in favor of it. It has really sped up the game to a, a more enjoyable pace. There are times when, especially in those seven inning double headers, where we played 14 innings with a 40 minute break in between in like five hours, you know, it's like we are moving quick. And I think it keeps, it keeps people engaged. There's times that baseball can historically move at a snail's pace. I think it's helped pitchers to, to an extent with staying in a tempo and staying in a rhythm. It's made some challenges from a from a managerial position. We have to make faster decisions, uh, a little more on the fly than we used to. We can't delay the game in any way. Have there been any conversations among the coaches about moving to a three-game series instead of the four-game series? I believe most conferences, I know Division One plays only a three-game head-to-head matchup. Yeah, that has been discussed. When we've looked at our schedule in the past, and that's something that as as the chair for the league, I've had a lot of involvement in a four game series is tough. It is really hard. You have to be deep. You have to be talented and you got to be you know, able to stay mentally locked in for a long time. But the advantage of a four game series is that, uh, you know, now we play 48 conference games of our maximum allotment of 50. Whereas if we went to a three game series, now we'd be playing 36. That would leave us with 14 non-conference games to have to schedule, but we would still play 12 weekends out of out of 13 in the regular season. So we only have one by weekend. For example, you could find a four-game series with somebody that gets your non-conference down to 10. Well, with 10 midweek games spread out over 12 weeks, you're playing, you're still playing four games a week. But now it's on a Tuesday or on a Wednesday. So we're we're missing more class. And then I think the other side of that argument then is that. You, you would have a weaker strength of schedule or you would end up playing conference opponents anyways. Last question for you today. There's been numerous changes in technology that have filtered down, I think, all the way to NCAA Division II. What have you seen as the most significant changes in technology that have affected how you coach your team? Technology in baseball is something that had been kind of, I don't know the right word is taboo or not, but like it was baseball is an old school game and a lot of old school coaches and I think that was one of the things that made baseball, you know, beautiful. But with with the way things are now, there's there's certainly advantages to having some technology. And so there's some teams in our league that have in stadium tracking units, uh, whether it's TrackMan or, or something similar that can can measure a lot of different things on the field. You know, radar guns are are everywhere. We have our in stadium radar gun that we have a little LED board in our in our press box, so the fans can see the velocity every of every pitch. Well, Coach Philip Milton, uh, congratulations on the recent hot streak. Hope it continues for you. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks so much for what you're doing for Lone Star Conference Baseball, and we'll keep this thing rolling. Let's take a look at the national poll in Division Two for the week of February 28th by the National College Baseball Writers Association. Number one is Tampa, a record of 13-0. Number two, North Greenfield. 
number three, Central Missouri, number four, Point Loma. West Texas A&M is fifth with a record of overall of 11-3, 10-2 in conference play. Millersville is sixth, followed by Young Harris, Missouri Southern, West Florida, Northwest Nazarene at number 10. Southern Arkansas is 11th, followed by Wayne State, Michigan, Malloy, Lynn, Colorado State University, Pueblo, 15th, Georgia Southern, Central Oklahoma, Westchester, St. Leo, Illinois Springfield, Lincoln Memorial, Goldie Beacom, Cal State Monterey Bay, Harding, and UT Tyler at 25th. Arkansas Fort Smith finally getting a little love is 32nd in the poll, and Angelo State is 35th. Let's take a look at the top 10 in Division One. This is the USA Today baseball coaches poll. Number one, Wake Forest at 6-1, followed by LSU, TCU 7-0, Florida, Arkansas, Oregon State, Texas A&M undefeated at 7-0, Tennessee, Virginia, and Duke. Other local teams getting some love. Texas is 13th, Texas Tech is 19th, Dallas Baptist is 24th, and Sam Houston State is 42nd. My student-athlete guest is Brandon Ulmer from University of Arkansas, Fort Smith, a senior outfielder from Boonville, Arkansas, who had a fantastic weekend in Lubbock last weekend, hit 538, three doubles, 10 RBIs, and hit for the cycle. But that's no fluke. For the year, he's leading the conference in batting average at 488 and an on-base plus slugging percentage at 1,410. Brandon, congratulations on the recognition and welcome to Baseball on the Lone Star Conference. Thank you very much, Rob. Glad to be here. What made you perform so well this year? And last year, you were a solid regular for Arkansas Fort Smith, but your OPS has more than doubled. Has there been a difference in approach or being more comfortable in the conference? How do you explain that? Well, I think if you look at look at the whole team, the whole team is doing better this year, and that's that's with us being bought in. We're all on the same page this year, I feel like. We're all playing for each other. And one of the biggest things we talk about each day is is being the hardest hardest working team, the scrappiest team on the field every day. I feel like that's my mindset more this year, not overcomplicating things, keeping it simple, and just playing playing for one another, really. As a youngster, Brandon, uh, when did you start playing baseball, and why do you love the game? I started playing, I guess, teeny-weeny ball, they called it, with a plastic <laughs> ball and bat when I was three and a half years old, maybe, about uh-huh. to turn four. Yeah. My dad got me into it, so I started real early. Playing at Arkansas Fort Smith, especially in the Lone Star Conference, you've got some incredibly long seven, eight, nine-hour bus rides. How do you while away the hours on the bus? You know, you, you try to get some some uh, extra sleep that you might need. I'd say with some of my buddies, they're always messing with me because I try to learn a little Spanish on the bus every once in a while. Nothing for classes or anything, just something I think would be cool to to do. And then playing a uh, game mafia we call on the bus with the, with the guys one of the games and then watching movies really do you have a favorite baseball movie major league i know it's not the most family friendly but i think it's it's a pretty funny movie oh why do you like that just the underdog you know team that they had i thought that was pretty cool in the movie and that them being the uh, cleveland indians and now they're no longer a team i think that's you know just having the old school team like that i, I like that what is it about Coach Holland that you enjoy and which seems to have turned this team around this year? He's hard on you. He'll push you. But at the same time, he does it because because he loves each one of us and uh, he wants to get the best out of us. He wants to not only physically get us there, but a big thing is mentally. He wants to 
mentally challenge us in BP, in practice, and make it hard on us. That way, so the in the games, it's it's not so hard. You've got a huge series coming up this weekend, uh, playing the defending national champion Angelo State at home. Do you and the team see this as an opportunity to show that your nine and three start is no fluke? Yeah, you know, it's like you said, Angelo coming off a national championship, but at the same time, we just keep saying, you know, keep playing our game. You know, it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the field, just keep playing our game and we'll get the recognition we deserve eventually, as long as we keep doing what we're doing. Do you have a favorite major league player that you watch or you try to model your own hitting style? I'd say growing up, two of my favorite players were were Ken Griffey Jr. and Manny Ramirez. They both wore number 24, and that's kind of what I based mine off of. I thought, uh, you know, Manny, he was more of the relaxed, you know, just really good hitter. But then Griffey was the center fielder that I kind of try to base my game off of in the outfield. Arkansas doesn't have a major league team. Is there a team that you follow since you were a kid? The Red Sox, for sure. Growing up, Manny Ramirez, Ortiz, Josh Beckett, just all those guys back then. I, w- I went to, to Fenway Park, actually, with my dad when I was seven, eight years old and watched them uh, sweep the Yankees. So they've been my team ever since I was five or six. Well, Brandon, congratulations on Hitter of the Week Award, your terrific performance to start the year, and good luck going forward. All right. Thank you very much. With four weeks of conference play in the books, let's take a look at the back of the baseball card, individual leaders with a 21st century analytics slant. First pitchers in my favorite category, whip, walks and hits allowed per nine innings pitched, much better than the more conventional earned run average, I think. First in the conference of the whip under one is preseason choice for Lone Star Conference Pitcher of the Year, Braxton Pearson of Angelo State at just 0.71, good for 17th nationally. Second at one flat is Luke Davenport of Arkansas Fort Smith. Isaac Ponce of Texas A&M International is third at 1.09. Fourth at 1.11 is Grant Shankle of Arkansas Fort Smith. And two-time Lone Star Conference Pitcher of the Week, Jacob Rayfield of St. Edwards is fifth at 1.16. Strikeout leaders. Top of the conference is Dax Dothy of Angelo State with 31 fans. Then Isaac Ponce of the Dust Devils with 26 Braxton Pearson at 24 strikeouts. Cody Templeton, also of Texas A&M International, 23. And Nick Marshall of West Texas A&M and Creed Jeffers of Texas Permian Basin have sent 23 batters packing. Turning to offense in the unsung category of sacrifice bunts, Sloan Laird of Oklahoma Christian is your conference leader with four sacrifices. Tied for second place with three each are Weston Symes of St. Ed's, Jacob Rosales of Texas A&M Kingsville, Devin Goins of St. Mary's, and Garrett Thompson, also of the Javelinas. My favorite offensive stat, on-base plus slugging average. This week's Player of the Week, Brandon Ulmer of Arkansas Fort Smith, on top of the leaderboard with an OPS of 1,410. Next is Abiam Medina of the Dust Devils with an OPS of 1,324. Third place, Lance Barnett of Cameron at 1.307. Trip Clark of Angelo State is fourth at 1.249. And the fifth highest OPS in the conference belongs to Austin Hall of Permian Basin at 1.245. Last but not least, RBI leaders. By a wide margin, Abian Medina of Texas A&M International with 31 ribbies. 
Trip Clark of Angelo State has driven home 27. Garrett Brooks, last week's hitter of the week of St. Mary's, has chased 24 teammates home. Austin Hall, the fourth highest ribby total with 23. And Dylan Flores of St. Ed's has knocked in 20 runs so far this season. Kind listeners, I will not make you wait until the end of this episode for the answer to Lonnie Cobble's trivia question, so here we go. The two baseball and football players who were drafted as the first selected by their respective teams in both the Major League Baseball draft and the NFL football draft are quarterback Kyler Murray, taken first overall by the Arizona Cardinals and 10th overall by the Oakland A's, and Brandon Whedon, who was the first player selected by the New York Yankees, albeit in the second round in 2002. He played five years of professional baseball, never made the big leagues, but then went back to school, Oklahoma State, to pursue a football career. After a slow start and a redshirt year, he had a great senior season, leading the Cowboys to a number three national ranking and a bowl win against Stanford. He was taken 22nd overall in the first round by the Cleveland Browns in the 2012 draft, the oldest player ever selected in the NFL draft at age 28. Another good guess would have been Deion Sanders, who was taken fifth overall by the Falcons in the NFL draft, but not until the 30th round by the New York Yankees. Bono's Jackson, remember those great ads in the 1980s and 90s, was taken first overall in the NFL draft by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but not until the fourth round by the Kansas City Royals. He pursued baseball first. Interesting side note about Brandon Whedon, courtesy of Lonnie Cobble. This was back in 2002 in the early days of cell phones, and just after Whedon's senior year at Santa Fe High School in Edmond, Oklahoma. Brandon went to the beach on a senior trip with a bunch of buddies after graduation. There was no caller ID back in those days. One day on the trip, Brandon answered his cell phone but didn't know who the caller was. The voice on the other end said, Brandon, this is George Steinbrenner. I wanted to officially welcome you to the New York Yankees as our first draft pick this year. Brandon didn't believe it and hung up the phone. Somebody in the Yankee organization had the presence of mind to get in touch with Lonnie Cobble, then the baseball coach at Santa Fe High. Coach Cobble immediately called Brandon Whedon and told him it really was George Steinbrenner. Steinbrenner was going to call back, and he could not hang up on Mr. Steinbrenner a second time. So Whedon took the second call, accepted the signing bonus, and became a minor league baseball player for the New York Yankees. My student-athlete guest is the St. Edwards player trying to retire the Lone Star Conference Pitcher of the Week award. That would be junior Jacob Rayfield from San Antonio. For the second consecutive week, he has won the award as the best pitcher in the Lone Star Conference. Congratulations again, Jacob, and welcome back to Baseball in the Lone Star Conference. Thank you. It's good to be back. Looking at your stat line from Alvin Community College, your redshirt sophomore year, earned or an average was 6.46, a win-loss record of 1-5, in five, which doesn't mean very much for a starting pitcher, but your underlying numbers were very good, 17 walks against 44 strikeouts. Your numbers this year are simply off the chart. In 19 innings, only 14 hits, only one earned run, average of 0.47, just an astronomical leap forward. What can you explain to our listeners about uh, what you might have did over the summer or over the fall to really take those two, three giant steps forward in your pitching performance? I pretty much just refined what I already had. My sophomore year, my velo had already, you know, kind of made it a jump to where I needed it to be. I just really focused on making sure I could get my breaking balls over for strikes. And then adding that sinker has really been the biggest thing for me. 
in the past, guys have kind of sat on my fastball and been able to to get hits off me, which, you know, if you look at my stat line from last year, you know, my, my K to walk is good, but I did give up a lot of hits, which led to that 6-4 ERA. So adding that sinker and being able to get weak contact while refining my breaking stuff has, has really been, I feel like, what's made that jump in my performance. As a child, Jacob, what was it about the game of baseball which captured your interest? I think it taught me a lot. Growing up, I was I was diagnosed with ADHD at a young age, and I started playing baseball when I was four. And, you know, I was one of those kids that would play in the dirt and be really distracted all the time. For some reason, I, I stuck with it. I was always a bigger kid, so that helped out a lot. I think it's just really helped me learn to focus and given me a lot of life lessons at the same time, which helped with me dealing with ADHD growing up and just helped me with life in general. You seem to have a very calm approach just in terms of our our talking uh, on Zoom. Do you meditate or do anything else that helps you keep an even keel? I like to visualize a lot. You know, on my off days or when I'm not throwing, I'll just go up to the mound and no ball, just my glove, you know, just think through situations and try to put myself up on the mound in a pressure situation before I get into that situation. When I do find myself there, it's familiar to me. You've got a seven, eight hour bus ride coming up to Lawton, Oklahoma to play Cameron. How will you spend the time? I honestly try not to think about baseball too much on on bus rides. I mainly, I try to sleep, listen to music, just use it to relax because a long bus ride like that could be very stressful. So I just try to make it as as stress-free as I can. Frank Ocean is a big one for me. His blonde album, I fall asleep to it pretty much every bus ride. It it never gets old. That would be the main one for sure. Do you pay attention to your velocity uh, radar guns? And I don't know if this is a state-held secret, if I can ask you what your velo is at these days. My last game, I, I topped 89, but I've hit a couple 90s before. And honestly, it's not really important to me unless it's it's dipping down too much because that indicates like an injury or something else. But as long as I'm throwing strikes and being able to execute pitches, that's that's more important than velocity. Last question. Last week, you told us you wanted to go to law school. Why do you want to be a lawyer? I've always wanted to help people. My father's a probably one of my biggest heroes. and He was able to go to West Point, graduate from med school, and you know, serve 20 honorable years in the military. So I've always wanted to follow in his footsteps and just do something that I think can be helpful to society. And studying law and being able to, to help people out through that, I think, is, is the right path for me. Jacob Rayfield, congratulations again. And I look forward to speaking to you at least once more this year. Thank you. I do as well. Time for our baseball happy birthday shout out. Happy birthday, his 36th, to Cuban flamethrower Araldus Chapman. Born February 28, 1988. In Holguin, Cuba, in a modest three-room house. His father was a boxing trainer and his mother a homemaker. Chapman started baseball as a first baseman, but his youth coach soon realized that his strong left arm destined him for the pitching mound. Chapman became a member of the Cuban national team, and while playing with the team in Rotterdam, the Netherlands, at age 21, he defected from his home country and signed a multi-million dollar contract with the Cincinnati Reds. He was a four-time National League All-Star with the Reds, a three-time All-Star with the New York Yankees in the American League, and then played for the Chicago Cubs, Kansas City Royals, Texas Rangers, and now the Pittsburgh Pirates. 
Over his 14-year big league career, Chapman has a 50-41 loss record, an ERA of 2.53, 321 saves, and an amazing 1,148 strikeouts in 698 innings pitched. In 2014 for the Reds, in the entire season, he averaged averaged 17.7 strikeouts per nine innings. Usually he only pitched one inning at a time, have you, but still a remarkable figure. He pitched on two World Series winners, the 2016 Cubs and the 2023 Texas Rangers. In the 2016 series against the Cleveland Indians, he pitched three innings in Game 5, two innings in Game 6, and three more in Game 7, helping the Cubs come back from a 3-1 to deficit. In the radar gun era, Chapman has clocked the fastest pitch in Major League history at 106 miles per hour. He also holds the Major League record for recording a strikeout in 49 consecutive appearances from August 21, 2013 until August 13, 2014. Sports Illustrated described his pitch this way. There is no violence in his motion, just a slow beginning, a fluid motion, and blammo, the ball just flies out of his hand like the Batmobile blasting out of the cave. Happy birthday, number 36, Araldus Chapman, the Cuban Missile, one of the most exciting pitchers in Major League Baseball. In episode three last week, I told the baseball bedtime story of little Bryce Harper as an eight-year-old showing up his 11-year-old big brother and his brother's little league teammates by fearlessly taking the hit-by-pitch in practice off his arm, his shoulder, his back, when the little leaguers were afraid to take the HBP. Little Bryce was such a baseball enthusiast that he even wore his baseball uniform and cleats to bed. I've taken a very unscientific survey of two Lone Star Conference baseball teams, the St. Mary's Rattlers and the Oklahoma Christian Eagles, asking the players who their favorite Major League Baseball player was. I thought it'd be a young guy like Ronald Acuna Jr. or maybe Fernando Tatis Jr., but instead, by a landslide, it was Bryce Harper. So I add this story about Bryce. Fast forward five years. 13-year-old Bryce Harper isn't so little anymore. As the best young player in Las Vegas, he played on a travel team, but he was so good that the opponents hardly ever pitched to him. They either walked him or hit him, and this frustrated the teenage Bryce Harper. Bryce still attended the local high school games to cheer on his big brother Brian and my cousin Andy's son Alex. Bryce often sat next to Andy, not for the conversation, I think, but for the free hot dogs and snow cones. One day, Bryce showed up during a high school game and sat down next to Andy with an incredible shiner. His eye was almost swollen, completely shut. Bryce, what the heck happened? Andy asked. Well, they kept hitting me and I got tired of it, Bryce replied. So on my last at bat, I yelled at the pitcher, Go ahead, hit me, I'm not going to move. Well, I kept my word I didn't move and he hit me in the face. We think Bryce Harper may have learned never to do that again. Hard to believe that for most of the Lone Star Conference baseball teams, we are 25% of the way through the regular season schedule of 48 games, having completed four rounds of conference play. For Weekend 5 of Lone Star Conference action, we have another full slate of six matchups between 12 of the 13 teams. The St. Mary's Rattlers, after a successful 3-1 weekend, draw the bye, and they will play inter-squad scrimmages instead this weekend. The marquee matchup of Weekend 5 will be in Fort Smith, Arkansas, between the 9-3 second-place Lions and the 9-7 defending national champion Angelo State Rams, who have lost just one conference game 
less than they did all last year when they went 40 and 8 in conference play. First place West Texas A&M at 10 and 2 in conference will travel to Portales, New Mexico to take on the 7 and 9 Eastern New Mexico Greyhounds. Of the five teams tied for third place at 9 and 7, two will face off head to head next weekend as Texas A&M International travels to Tyler to take on the Patriots. St. Edwards at 6 and 6 in 8th place travels to Lawton, Oklahoma to face off against the 2 and 12 Cameron Aggies who split their series last weekend with Texas A&M Kingsville. The Javelinas at 7-9 get on the bus across West Texas to Odessa, where they will play four games against the 9-7 third-place Permian Basin Falcons. The last matchup of the Lone Star weekend will be between third-place Lubbock Christian at 9-7 and 12th-placed Oklahoma Christian at 3-9. Those games will take place in Oklahoma City. Well, that will be a wrap for Episode 4 of Baseball in the Lone Star Conference. Thanks to executive producer Zach Ramirez, and thank you for listening. I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and what you'd like to hear on future episodes. So please email me at robbyshadow at gmail.com. That's R-O-B-B-Y-S-H-A-D-O-W, all lowercase, at gmail.com. With the Rattlers idle this weekend, time for yours truly to also take a break. So do not expect an episode to post next week. Zach and I will try to get episode five up by Friday, March the 15th. Until then, may all of your line drives cleave the open green spaces of the power alleys, and may all of your baseball dreams be pleasant ones. Play by play on the radio. Play by play. Deep to left center, back for Jean-Pedro, back, 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 back. He makes a one-handed catch against the bullpen.